Okay. Can I move this? Is that right? Uh, reason I uh, can relate to the kids, I'm their same height, so there you go. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, bear with me here. Uh, my, uh, my voice usually smooths out when I get preaching, um, um, and I'm conscious of the time for pastor. He told me what time I need to be done, so right up there. Uh, first of all, I want to say it's a, a really a blessing to be here in your church. Uh, my wife and I visited. My wife is Karen. We visited in May, and we uh, really enjoyed this. It's uh, very like-minded to our church. We go to uh, a bigger church, but we believe the King James Bible is the Word of God. And uh, um, I try to quote a verse for the kids here. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them for the this generation forever. I probably butchered that. But anyway, uh, the idea is that, that God gave us his word. Amen. And that is so very important that we actually have the word of God where God can speak to our hearts. And uh, I want to start with, Pastor asked me to start with uh, my testimony. So again, I, I had a birthday and uh, got a little nervous today knowing I'm going to speak. So uh and I had a birthday. I forgot I had one. She had to nudge me and say, yeah, you had a birthday this week. So I just had a birthday uh, Thursday. I turned 64. Wow. And uh, my testimony is this. Uh, I'll just start from the beginning and be conscious of the time. Uh, my father was a Marine, a career Marine. So um, from four years old in my life until I was uh, just over 13, almost 14, I lived on Marine Corps bases other than one year when he was deployed. And when he retired, retired a, a gunny sergeant. Um, his, uh, his name was Oscar Walter Weber, O-W-W. -W. They called him One-Way Weber. And uh, he was a real Marine. And, uh, and uh, we, uh, I remember going to uh, Cherry Point for the first time when I was four years old, and my mom called me a kindergarten dropout. I hope none of you kids have dropped out of kindergarten, but I had to. Because when we moved, they didn't have kindergarten. And when I went there, it was Easter time, and um, I didn't have any friends, so my parents got me a little toy gun and a cowboy hat, went outside, run around playing, and they had taken us to church that Sunday, okay? So I think maybe the Sunday before, but that's the only time I remember my parents going to church. <clears throat> now, my parents were not saved. They were not Christians. And we went to church, and I remember as a little kid crying in Sunday school, sitting in church, not knowing what it was about, but just the picture of seeing my, my parents in church. But it was an Easter Sunday, and I'm outside, and I see a great big sun in the sky. And I, and I wondered, I thought in my head, as a four-year-old four little boy, I wonder how big God is that made that big sun. And I believe when I thought about God, he thought about me. And he set about to reveal to me exactly who he was and what he wanted me to do. And he'll do that for every one of these kids in here as he's done for the adults. Every one of you little kids that God can reveal himself to you uh, through his word and through the preaching of the word, the reading of the word, through the Holy Spirit, the fellowship you have in this church, the people that love you and they come after you to bring you here. And 
So I wondered about God at four years old. So I turned the clock ahead, and I was not in a Christian home. And we went home for a Christmas vacation. Um, yeah, Christmas vacation when I was 10 years old. And when we went home, we would visit my cousins. And my one cousin, we went to visit them after they came home from church. So I believe the parents were fairly newly saved, maybe a few years. And my cousin, my first cousin, was a year younger than me, nine years old. And he had gotten saved that day. Now, when I went there, that was the excitement in the home, that he actually got saved. He trusted Christ as his Savior, and he was not going to die and go to hell. He was going to go to heaven. And what it did for me, though, is it gave conviction. Because I realized that if he was going to heaven because he's saved, I never did get saved. That means I was going to go to hell. And I didn't want to go to hell. I remember thinking in my head, forgive me, I get emotional, God does that to me. A grown, <laughs> um, grown man, but he, he, um, he just uh, reduces me to uh, uh, mush. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, I'll get my composure quick here. So anyway, I, I hoped I could get saved someday. That's what I thought in my head. I hope I can get saved someday. I think my aunt told, told me the gospel, and that's about it. Didn't ask me about getting saved. It just said he's saved. They're all excited he's saved. And that was at 10 years old. So we're back down at North Carolina. And I was telling pastor, sharing with him, I actually lived, you, you kids probably don't even know who this is. I lived the Huckleberry Finn life. I mean, I lived in the woods. I just laid out in the woods, all my friends. We, we did uh, everything the boys did back then that didn't have computers. We climbed trees, made forts, and they had a good old time. <clears throat> but... Uh, be honest with you, I was into uh, a lot of activities. One, one activity, uh, one of my friends, his younger brother, invited me to church on a bus route. His name was Scott Taylor. And our, son, our oldest son is named really after him. His name is Scott. And uh, he invited me on a bus route, and we went 20 miles to Moorhead City, and I always thought it was Moorhead City Baptist Church. It was not. It was Grace Baptist Church. And later we talked about, found out they had moved, and we visited about four years ago. And uh, the same pastor was pastoring then is when I got saved. Amen. And I believe I got saved. Nobody told me either the date I got saved. But I believe it was August 26, 1973, because it was the day before school started. It could have been the week later, but that's, that's the date, narrowest I can get it. And based on that, young people, think about this. I have been saved for 50 years. I just turned 64. And I'm the only older person I've, I've known going to many churches that actually got saved on a bus route. But you guys could be unique like me. Because a lot of you might be saved now, but maybe some of you are not saved. But anyway, I went to that church, and I hope you get saved. I hope you get saved today, and I hope you get saved this morning. Um, so I went on that bus route, and uh, I went to church, and about the only thing I remember him talking about, obviously, he preached a sermon, but I didn't. It, for kids, and you're, you're not from a Christian home, you don't know what to do, but I listened, talked about... Christ dying for my sins, buried him, he rose again. And my buddy was there. That's the only time he ever went to that church with me. I, I went after him, kept going there. But um, 
And the pastor had an invitation. They did just as I am. And, and then I was afraid. I, I'm like, I knew I needed to go up and get saved. I was afraid to do it. I would tell you little kids, I would tell you and you older kids, if you get a chance to get saved and you're not saved, don't let the devil trick you into being afraid and not doing anything. Amen. Don't let him scare you to not move when the Holy Spirit of God's moving and talking to you and telling you you need to get saved. But I actually went forward on the, on the last stanza of Just As I Am. Amen. And a young man in a black suit, and I talked with the pastor about him. He, he later went on to be with the Lord, and I believe his name was Char Charlie. It wasn't this Charlie, but it was a Charlie. And uh, he took me in another room, and I want to tell you how I got saved. Because telling you how I got saved is going to let you know, if you're not saved, how you can be saved. And you say, why would you do that in a church where people are coming to church all the time? My wife and I, we've had many ministries over the years. And I remember distinctly one time we were working. I, I, the Lord has let me work with children's ministries. He's let me be a chaplain at a juvenile detention center for teenage boys. I've, I've worked at a rescue mission. And I was the leader of our senior group, which had over 150 people. And I did all those things for over 16 years. Amen. And besides that, I would preach when I get opportunities to preach. And I love to lead people to the Lord. Amen. And uh, so I remember in, a, in one of the children's ministries, we call it Master Club, and the person that was speaking did not show up. And I said, I know what we can do. I, I got up and I said, I'm going to tell you my testimony, right? Just like this, I, I went forward, that young man took me, in a room, and he told me what I'm going to tell you. He told me how to get saved. But I told my testimony how I got saved, and I said, let's all share our testimonies. All the little kids took turns sharing their testimony until I got to one little boy. And when it was his turn to share his testimony, he started to cry. And he said, I don't have a testimony. I've never been saved. Yeah. Sometimes you're in a group of people, there's some people that have never been saved yet, and they need to be saved. They want to be saved. Sure. We owe it to them. Yes. Tell them how to get saved. Yeah. Right. And uh, what happened was, I go in this room, and he, and he tells me, you know, the gospel is this. I'll just turn to the gospels and read it to you if I can find it. I got a new Bible. I've worn out a couple of them. But I want to read you the gospel. First Corinthians chapter 15. You don't have to turn there unless you want to. And, uh, well, I just trust the Lord knows what he's going to do here because uh, he's, he's going to let me do what he wants me to get done. First uh, Corinthians 15, verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, so that's what I'm going to do, which also ye have received, that's what you should do, and wherein ye stand. So we stand in the gospel. By which also ye are saved. Now being saved is so that you're eternally secure. I'll talk about that. If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So what Jesus Christ did, first of all, he was God, and he came in the flesh. And he came, the Bible talks about in Philippians that he, that he became lower 
than an angel. He became like a man. He humbled himself. He humbled himself. So, you know, God is way better than us, way stronger, and he's perfect, and he's righteous, and he's holy. But God stepped down out of heaven so he can come down and so you could be saved. And and what he did, now think about this. Um, He actually willingly went to a cross and died even though he had no sin. And because he had no sin, death and hell could not hold him. He went three days, the Bible says, the heart of earth. I believe he went down to hell for our sins. And he, and he paid the price for our sins, but it couldn't hold him. He said he's got the keys to death and hell. And he stepped on out. The Bible says he led captivity captive. He, he took those Old Testament saints and brought them up. And he, and he came back to earth victorious. And he stayed and he, and he taught the disciples another, I believe, uh, 40 days and then ascended up into heaven. Now, according to the Bible, you read in Hebrews, you know what he actually did? It talks about we're not saved by, by uh, silver or gold, right? Yeah. But by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And the Old Testament economy, they had to take a blood sacrifice to atone for their sins and they'd push it off for a year, Right? And, and the high priest would go once a year into the Holy of Holies with that blood, and they call it head to toe. He'd have it up here, have it on his thumb, have it on his toe. And if he did anything wrong when he went into the Holy of Holies in the temple, he would die. They had a rope tied around that guy. They'd have to pull him out. But Jesus Christ, you know what he did? He went once into the real Holy of Holies in heaven, and he applied his blood in, in all of, of the heaven itself. Everything, the mercy seat. He applied his blood. You know why that was so important? Because his blood was the only sacrifice good enough to pay for the sins of of you and for me and for all of humanity. It took his blood. He made that as a payment. Think about it. God paid the price so you don't have to go to hell. He came and and he did the ultimate gift for us. And he only had to do it once. And once he paid that, you know what happened? Remember when uh, it shows Jesus Christ was on the cross? All the time when he had an earthly ministry, I haven't even started preaching yet, preacher. When he, when he got on the cross, and uh, he, he'd always talk in his earthly ministry, and he'd talk to God, he'd say, my father, right? My father, yeah. my father. When he got on the cross, what'd he say? My God, yeah. my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God had to turn his back on his own son. Was he a mean God? No. reason he turned his back on his own son is because he took all your sin and all my sin and he placed it on Jesus Christ and he turned the back on that sin, that sin that he, he put upon his own son. And the Bible talks about in Isaiah that it pleased God to bruise his own son, not because he was sadistic, because he was satisfied that the sin debt of the whole world would be paid for. And it was paid for. And because Jesus Christ paid for your sins, now here's what you can do. Now that man, when he took me into Rome, he took me down through the Romans road. And uh, the Bible says, uh, let's see, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I want to ask all the children here, now think about this. You don't have to raise your hand. I know the answer. I'll raise mine for you. Have you ever done anything wrong in life? Have you ever done sin? Have you ever been ashamed of things you've done? Because the Bible says there's none righteous. No, not one. But it says also in Romans Road, this is the road map to heaven. It says, but God commendeth his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Don't you know that God loves you? 
He loves you so much that he has people come and knock on your door and say, won't you like to just come on the bus and come to church? Because at church, Pastor Matt Gordon, he's going to tell you about Jesus. Your Sunday school teacher, they're going to tell you about Jesus. They're going to tell you what he did for you. He did it for you. Just like he did it for me when I was four years old and I wondered about God, God showed me who he was. He's perfect. He's holy. He's righteous. He's wonderful. He loved me. He came and he paid the price for me. And the Bible says for the wages of sin is death. You know you're going to die someday, right? Don't you know that? This body's going to die. It's going to die. But what I want to talk about also is I look out here and I see everybody's body. This is how I try to explain it, Pastor. Now, if I mess it up, he'll, he'll fix it when I'm gone out of town. <laughs> but I, I tell people, look, you have a body. And I can see who you are, just your body. But the real person who you are, your soul, yeah. is inside that body. Yeah. That's who you are. And the first time you sinned, you know what happened to that soul? First time mom said, I made some cookies, don't eat them, and you stole a cookie, or you lied to mom, or you stole some change, or you didn't obey your parents, or you didn't do, whatever you didn't do, you were supposed to do. I believe we got a stain of sin on our soul. And that stain of sin, you can't get rid of. And God says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Here's the contrast. Your body's going to die because of sin one day. But do you want your soul to die and go to hell forever? I didn't. You know, beyond hell, when there, there is a judgment at the end, and then people are cast into the lake of fire, that's called the second death. Trust me, you don't even want the first death that you lost, let alone to get a reprieve, to give a report to God, bow the knee and say, you were right, and confess the Lord Jesus Christ and the glory of God the Father and be cast into the lake of fire. Who would want that? You, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't go there. Listen, young people. You have a soul inside your body. And if you have sinned and you've never been saved, you still got that stain. Yeah. And all God's going to see is that stain. And he can't let sin in heaven. Right. You've got to get rid of that sin. And the only way to get rid of that sin, yeah. and I'm going to tell you how to do it, the Romans Road. The Bible says that if thou shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, and confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, thou shalt be saved. Amen. So he's telling us two things. You've got to believe that Jesus died for your sins, paid your price. And then you've got to confess with, with your mouth. How do you do that? When you bow your head, you say, yeah, I do believe. I, get, I understand now. Mr. Weber explained it to me. Pastor Gordon explained it to me. My teachers explained it to me. But I, now I see it. Jesus actually died for my sins. And I don't want to go to hell. What do I do? And he says, believe first. Then he says, confess with your mouth. You know what the confession is? The Bible says, or whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The pastor came here Wednesday night. You kids weren't here, but he talked about um, Paul. He talked about Paul. Saul, the Tarshish, Paul. He actually called on the Lord to save him. I believe that firmly. He didn't get knocked off his horse. You know, he knew about God. He knew Jesus then. But listen, he was sent to a man to tell him, hey, you need to call on the Lord. I'm here to tell you, if you've never called on the Lord, maybe that's why I'm sent here. You need to call on the Lord to save your soul. Do you believe Jesus Christ died for your sins? I'd ask you that. 
Kids, now you remember this. Um, then you need to call on the Lord. How do I do that? When we have an invitation, you can bow your head. You can come forward. You can bow your head in your seat. You can say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I'm sorry, but I know you died for my sins. You paid the price. I believe that in my heart, that you paid for my sins that I can't pay for. Right. Lord, will you please save my soul? Yeah. That's what I, I've told people for years. And uh, if you do that, then you're going to be saved. Right. Eternally saved. Amen. Because that last verse I quoted, he said, uh, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know what he didn't say? He didn't say might be saved. Right. He didn't say may be saved. He said shall be saved. Yeah. Yeah. And once God saves you, I'm going to turn to another passage. The Lord's not going to let me preach this, brother. Maybe another day. Um, once, once you do that, I'm going to show you what God does when you, when you trust Christ as your Savior. Because you know who will try to convince you that you're not saved after you're saved? Who do you think would try to do that? Satan himself. He would try to tell you, oh, you're not good enough to be saved. Oh, you, you didn't really mean it. That isn't what my Bible says. My Bible says if you believe... And you call on him, he'll save your soul. And I want to show you this to help you in your life. Because when I got saved at 13 years old, I went to church a while. And then I wasn't in a church. We moved north and I went to a church up there. And to be honest with you, it was kind of weird. I had a southern accent. And I probably don't have one now. Right? A lot of years gone. And those kids laughed me out of church. I kid you not. And uh, so I didn't go back. I really got into the world and did the world's thing. And I was telling the pastor, though, I knew I was saved because when I went to church, the preaching spoke to my heart. Yeah. And um, I did something that I didn't know what I was doing. The moment I got saved, I started talking to Jesus. Yeah. And the Bible says, pray without ceasing. Yeah. I was doing that without knowing, but he knew me. Yeah. And he was showing me he knowed me. And he showed me that he was my friend. At every scrape I got in, I'd beg him to get out of, you know. But I literally could always sense the Holy Spirit. And I, and I tell you some other wild things but that my wife knows where God showed me that he was there. Um, but we won't do that. Um, Ephesians chapter 1. If you believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sins, and you pray and ask him to save you, you know, call on the Lord, here's what happens. Verse 13. In whom, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth. I just told you the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. You know what God does? He takes that stain of sin on your soul, and he cleans it off, and he seals your soul. The Bible talks about like a circumcision, where he's cutting away your flesh from your soul, and the Holy Spirit of God moves in. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And the next, next verse says, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. Now, adults know what earnest money is. It's when we buy a house. We put a down payment on a house, and then we make payments. Well, you know what God does? He, he gives us a down payment on heaven when we get saved. He gives us the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we are sealed, and it's inside of us. And he never goes away. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Man. And 
the truth is, I'll tell you a short version of the sermon I was going to preach, and the Lord don't want me to just, well, maybe a little bit. I'll I'll do a little bit of it. Um, Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. No surprise, Pastor, the Holy Spirit's alive and well. Now, this morning, Pastor started stepping on my message a little bit. (laughs) He got in Ephesians chapter 6. I'm just going to tell you this. Um, I want to tell you quickly, I've got about five minutes. Um, I want to tell you what I I was going to tell you for a long time, but I think it was more important that I tell you how to get saved. And I want you to get saved. But then once you get saved, what do you do? And the Bible says here in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, uh, uh, verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Maybe I'll preach that another time about being strong in the Lord. Because once you get saved, listen, kids, don't, don't quit on God. Don't quit coming here. Matter of fact, you should do the opposite. While you're coming, you should invite your relatives, your mom, your dad. I didn't have a saved family. You should invite those other people that need to be saved. And to be strong in the Lord, I'll tell you who my example was going to be. It was going to be Joseph in the Old Old Testament. Because as much as he got persecuted in life, and God used this guy, and I'm going to give a little nugget for the adults if I can. i got two minutes, and I'm going to have an invitation. But um, Joseph was the uh, 11th son of Jacob. Now, you kids, I would imagine, have not read the Bible yet. These adults have. These, these adults, a lot of them, they know their Bible. And they know that, that Abraham was promised that his seed would be more than the stars of the sea, more than the, or the sand of the sea, the stars in heaven. That he would take a, a man and make him not only a family, but make him a nation. And then he had the promised seed, which was Isaac. We won't even get into Ishmael, but Isaac, the promised seed, and then after him, Esau and Jacob. And that Jacob was not a very good young man. And he, he basically, his brother came to him hungry and looking for an opportunity at every turn. Instead of just giving his brother a, a bowl of the chili he was making, he said, well, sell me your birthright. And he traded the birthright, the first place position, for a bowl of chili. So instead of Esau, instead of the line going through him, it went through Jacob. But Jacob, he's called a surplanter. He's a con man. He's a guy who was trying to take advantage of every situation he could. And he was sent off to Uncle Laban, where he got his family. And on his way back, after 20 years, serving his uncle, and they took turns deceiving each other. And he's coming back, and lo and behold, he's afraid, because he believes his brother Esau is going to kill him. But he runs into God. You guys know that. And he wrestles with a man. And, And at the end of that wrestling match, he wouldn't let go of God. It's like when you're in trouble, and you go to prayer... And you hang on to God, and you say, God, I'm not letting go till you help me. Yeah. That's what he was doing. Yeah. And he knew it was God. And when he, let, when he finally got and reached down and grabbed him and crippled him to make him let go, but he says, you prevailed. And he said, I'm going to bless you. Your name is no longer Jacob. Your name is Israel, which means a prince with, a prince with God. You know what a prince is? A child of the king. He became a child of the king. And, and guess what? He said, he said, what's your name? This is the interesting part. I like to find little nuggets in the Bible. Now, this is all wrong, Pastor. This is illustration, you know. But hopefully you'll think about it. Bible teachers will ponder it. And, and instead of telling him his name, it says he blessed him there. Now I want to go to Joseph and read something for you. 
This jumped out at me a few months back, and I actually preached it at the mission. It says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brother saw that the father loved him uh, more than all his brother, and they hated him, and could not speak peaceably to him. I wondered about that coat of many colors. And I'll just read you one passage, and I'll get wrapped up here. Maybe this is more for the adults. But um, what My thought was this. All the boys of Jacob were bad guys. I mean, they literally wanted to kill Joseph. Yeah. And they actually went to another town, and two of them actually killed all the men of the town. Yeah. And then they took all their possessions. They had no character. You know where they got that from? Dear old dad. Yeah. They learned how their dad was. Yeah. But when, Joseph, when Jacob met God, I think something changed. Yeah, yeah. Because Joseph was a man of great character. And my thought was, how did Joseph get such good character when all the other boys had no character and seemingly Jacob didn't? Yeah. But I'll tell you this, when you meet God, it'll change your life. Yeah. God can change your life. You know, we, we can try to help people all we can. You need God to change you. You need to get saved. And he says you need to be, be strong in the Lord. Joseph was an example of being strong in the Lord. You know what I thought that, that, pic, that coat of many colors? It, what I'm thinking in my mind. Don't take this as doctrinal truth. I want to read you from Daniel. I think Jacob was showing his son Joseph what God looked like. It, God didn't tell him his name. I think he might have showed him who he was. Righteous and holy and perfect. And he wanted his son to be like that, Joseph. And by his son becoming like that, his son went through all the hardship going to Egypt, but God still used him to save a nation. Yep. Think about that. The character of that young man, how it affected the nation of Israel because Jacob met God on the way back home. And when Jacob met God, I wondered. It didn't say he saw this, but I'm going to go to a man that did see. A man named Daniel. Daniel 10. And he's praying for three weeks. And what does he see? Then I lift up mine eyes and look. Behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded about with fine gold of Uphaz. And his body was like the barrel, and his face is the appearance of lightning. Does that look like a real human? And his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like colored polished brass, and a voice of his words like a voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves. I just wonder if Jacob got a glimpse of God. And he said, God is holy and righteous and perfect. Boy, my son could be like him. Amen. And he's the father of his old age. I'll give you another little nugget to look out because I called a friend of mine, a missionary in England. And uh, I'm going to wrap up, Pastor. He uh, what missionary in England. He was wondering about how old Jacob was. Well, you can learn from Genesis. I believe Jacob was 91 years old when he had Joseph. And the reason I believe that, Joseph left the house when he was 17. At 30, he appeared to Pharaoh. They had seven years of plenty, two years of the famine. So he was 39, and then his dad shows up and tells Pharaoh he's 130. Take 39 off 130 means Jacob had him in his old age, like the Bible said, at 91 years old. God can change you. Now I'm going to ask everybody, if you would, we don't need a piano player if you don't mind. I just ask everybody to bow your heads 
and close your eyes.